Hey guys, what's going on? It's John and Ryan here for No Holding Back on another episode where we're going to get into all the news and hot takes over the recent week. We have a lot of action going on in the MLB, which was crazy. We didn't think that these guys were going to hit very quickly. We thought it was going to be a slow-moving process, but one of the big fish off the off the free agency market comes down, so we're going to get into that. College football playoff ended up getting you know, solidified, so we're going to go through our favorite bowl games and what we think about Alabama falling out of just relevancy. So that's always fun because Ryan and I have such a disdain for Saban in that tide. And w- big heavyweight fight over in Saudi Arabia. You know, everyone knows it was kind of bullshit, but, you know, we'll get into that. Ryan wants to talk about, uh, you know, the top five young boxers, which I think is really important, too, uh, because I think the state of boxing is it's at a place where not a lot of people, um, you know, compare it to in, in the past. And then, you know, we're going to give our weekly roundup in the NFL and we're just going to shoot the shit like we normally do. We're drinking some vino. We're getting a little loose. And as always, Tigers on the prowl down in Australia. The ladies were running in on the PGA Tour event. So let's see what's going on with El Tigre at 5 o'clock tomorrow. So, Ryan, out of everything that I said, after everything that I went through, what do you want to talk about first, brother? Roll Tide. Hey. <laughs> let's get right into it. I, I, I think college football is a fun thing. Then we'll hit the other aspects, some of the news. We'll, we'll reverse order. We usually start off with the news, but let's get into the college playoffs, right? So I can't remember the last time the Tide have been out of it. They really haven't, right? They haven't missed the playoff. So not, right? Because when the teams make the playoffs, you have your major four bowls. Not one, but two SEC schools got into the major bowls ahead of Alabama. Both Florida and Georgia, which is wild. Like, how do we even process that? It's like that hasn't been the case in a long, long time. Yeah, and I think the committee was doing them a little bit of favor because it's a media-driven playoff, right? So they wanted to give— they're playing a hardball, so it's a big face. But do you think it's a little slap from the the system— as because their conference schedule or their out of conference schedule? Well, I mean, you could say the same thing for like Clemson, right? They played in a week ACC, and mm-hmm. I'm always I'm always of the, of the aspect where like you know you don't control your schedule, right? Like you know, perfect example in the NFL is the Buffalo Bills, very yeah, easy schedule, you, nine you and three to a certain extent. You could take like Georgia. We, we've talked about this before, but some of these SEC schools they go out and play, even though they play the dominant schedule as well. Yeah, but I think the bigger I think the bigger picture when it comes to Alabama is that this is the first time in recent in probably the seven seven era in recent memory that they're ranked outside of the top ten. So they ranked 13 after they lost to Alabama and uh, Auburn and Iron Bowl. Mm-hmm. So when we were saying that they didn't get into any big time bowl game, it was because I don't think the committee was very convinced that they should have been there in the first place. And like we were saying before, it's a media driven circus when it comes to these bowl games and TV ratings. And everybody loves rooting for Alabama. So if they ended up winning the Iron Bowl, it would have given them really an excuse for them to kind of be in the playoff. But this is kind of goes to show you that the system kind of works, right? I mean, you know, they lose when they were supposed to lose and they end up where they're supposed to end up. I think the top four teams in college football are in the playoff. And we haven't been able to really say that in the last two years. 
I I mean, tell you the truth, I, I don't really remember that big of a controversy as of late for college football. Well, they've been always talking about, oh, instead of four teams, it should be six teams. Yeah. And the two top teams should have a bye, and then five and six should play each other or whatever. But, I mean. I, you know how I feel. March Madness it up, baby. I know, but you have you have you. It's just a different perfect. sport. You yeah, and look it. at Alabama, right? Like the reason why they probably got into the shitty bowl game with Michigan is that none of their players are probably going to play. It's a meaningless game. This is the first time any of those guys have played in a meaningless football game. Yeah, but their backups are five-star players. It's not like other teams where you're saying like their guys aren't starting. These are breakout stars who are just ready to be born. You know. Yeah, I guess so. But at the same time, you know, what you're going to risk them for next year? Oh, it's a meaningless football they, game. Ah, come on. It's the big stage. They, It's a recruiting tactic. You're, you don't want to lose to Michigan. They're going to be pulling think... out all the stops. After everything, he can, Saban loses this. That's not a good recruiting thing. For I them, mean, right? it wasn't a it wasn't a good recruiting thing when LSU beat the shit out of them. <laughs> and in started uh, talking to all the recruits. Anthony, yeah, I, I think. Loved it. Yeah, I mean, I think Alabama has a kind of a chokehold on the recruiting. They know exactly mm-hmm. what they want to do. I think it's great to see Alabama and Michigan go at it because I know Harborough and Saban aren't the best of friends. So no, uber, uber competitive, both fiery. So it should be fun, especially the conferences. You know, we'll, they'll get a lot of pub talking it up. I I think right. You are right. Like that matchup makes sense. Put them in there, and it's it's a fun matchup. And right. and you couldn't have done that if with Penn State being up there too. Right. So I mean, let's get into the the, the four teams that really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I last week we ended up picking and predicting. You know that um, Oklahoma was going to get the so- the slide over. Um, Utah if they ended right. up losing and you know it ended up working out just as we predicted it so um, I was very happy that the committee ended up giving LSU the credit that it deserved and putting them at one um, I thought it would have been a slap in the face if they were left at two I agree I mean thankfully the way OSU came out in the first half it wasn't really mm-hmm. a debate and who cares it right. was what it was and we're not going to sit here and play what ifs. Right. They didn't do that. But yes, I, I completely agree with you. LSU was dominant all year and they have the Heisman candidate. They should be number one. Right. And right. Fun. I mean, he's the Heisman favorite at this point. Right. Unless defense for Heisman um, Chase Young ends up winning. But I doubt that. Yeah. And he also missed games. So Heisman's generally um not only football abilities it's it's all field stuff too so i i think chase takes a major ding with that suspension yeah which is a bullshit suspension regardless of what it was i i don't disagree with you (laughs) we both think about the nta and all the shit they do so right exactly so i mean they're like strippers grabbing for that extra dollar there's nothing wrong with the stripper world all right come on that's somebody's daughter on stage. <laughs> yeah, and guess where they went? Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> so let's All talk right, about so, the so who, who, who do you, you think is going to make the, the finals, <laughs> right? So, so we have LSU versus Oklahoma. All right. I, so, I think we both know who we're taking there. Oh, we're we we're both going with the Tigers. Right. Um, so I think, I think it, it what would best fun, be? Though. That game, I think, is going to be very interesting because 
Um, Delpit, the safety for LSU, I think mm-hmm. was pulling a Derwin James all year. So I don't know if you remember what Derwin James did at his, his last year at Florida State. And probably one of the reasons he ended up falling in the draft was because he just didn't really play because he didn't want to hurt his draft stock. Right, right, right. He ended up hurting his draft stock, too. So it's like so I think LSU's defense is going to come out the same way that they did when they went to Georgia and smacked Georgia. Yeah, but you never know with the Lincoln Riley offense. There's always the possibility. But I'm with you. I I think LSU handles business. Well, I think the matchups are going to be great in that game. And and that's the best part about, you know, watching these teams is because you take a look at the top 50 talent that's in that game. You have Joe Burrow, who's probably going to end up winning the Heisman. And then he's what? He's probably our number two draft uh, draft prospect entering this year. And then you go down to our inside the top 10, C.D. Lamb, who we've on the show have compared to DeAndre Hopkins in the NFL, who was a stud wide receiver after the catch. And then the great part about C.D. Lamb is he gets to go across, you know, one of the premier cornerbacks on LSU, who's probably also going to be a, um, a top draft pick. So you have a lot of matchups in this in this game that makes it very intriguing. But. I think that the best game is the other one. I think the game between Ohio State and Clemson is going to be the real game that yeah. everyone's going to be really interested in. And talk about a team with a bunch of Derwin James. Uh, a lot of Clemson's starters yeah. have been out most of the year, and they've really just been coming back. And it seems to me that they've been clicking at the right time. Like we said, they don't always play the toughest competition, so we can't always tell. But – Devo's been there before. The team's been there before. I, I mean, let's. It, it's very people. It's funny because everyone is always involved in the thought process of what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. People forgot that Trevor Lawrence tore up the Alabama defense in that national championship game last year. And right. most of that offense is back from last year i know ohio state has a great cornerback who's a top five draft pick next year we all know what chase young can do and and the rest of that defensive uh that defensive front it's gonna really test kind of what clemson's been able to put out there and (laughs) clemson's got a great running back they have two great wide receivers and they probably have a once in a generation type quarterback behind there so i think that clemson ends up upsetting ohio state um, and then I think Clemson and LSU go to the national championship game. And then obviously I'm biased and I'm going to have to go with LSU, but, um, you know, I could see Clemson just, you know, kind of saying, you know what, fuck everyone for doubting us. We're going to Molly and we're going to win a national championship again. I'm going back to back, baby. That's my yeah, prediction. See, I wouldn't see. I'm, I don't hate that because I would love to pick that if, if, if my team wasn't in. Um, you know, wasn't sitting in the driver's seat. But and they didn't have the best coach ever. Straight from oh, the Bayou. Yeah, I know. Ed Ogeron. Mm-hmm. Star, co-star in Blindside with Sandra Bullock. Also co-star in Waterboy with Adam Sandler. <laughs> 
what is his name? Farmer Fran? Is that what it was? Farmer Fran. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. That's great. That's fucking Just a great. cameo. Yeah. Only for a little bit. All right. Um, all right, since, since we're on football, you want to hit on a little bit about the matchups this weekend or things that we see playing out? Yeah, so we have some pretty good ones this week. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the one that jumps out at me is, uh, we spoke about this before, uh, Tennessee and I believe the Texans are playing this week. Correct. This, this, so, this, so this is going to side who is going to be – in um take the, the lead Rockets. of the di- right. yeah, yeah of the division which is yeah. big because there's also a gap for the wild card so so it's big on two fronts um right I, right and I, I don't know that you could put a better scenario right Tannehill is reborn into something else that i have no clue um he got he was yeah. able to get rid of adam gaze yeah and it's just like they're clicking. They've been on fire. Houston conquered their demons and beat the Patriots. But then. Yeah, but then they got Molly Guap last week. Right. Absolute choke <laughs> show. But you know what? You can't count that team out. So I, I, it should be a fun game. I'm, I'm hoping for a high scoring affair. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a very interesting game, and I think the thing that makes that so appealing is the fact that not only the Titans are playing the Texans for the division lead, but then you go and look at the Steelers, who are also 8-5, just like the Titans and um, the, the the Texans. They go and play the 9-4 and four Bills, the 9-4, mm-hmm. right? 9-4 and four Bills, which could end up shaping the, the, the first and second wild card because if the Steelers go in and beat um, the Bills, then the Bills, I mean, then the Steelers end up jumping to the first wild card. And depending on who ends up winning the the Houston uh, Tennessee game, then it all comes to AFC scheduling and and all these different tiebreakers because the scheduling is the same. So hit it, hit it on uh, Tennessee real quick again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, go ahead. How about AJ Brown? Does oh, he look like the, the best? receiver in the class right now when I mean, he was supposed to be third best uh on the team coming out basically. well i think i think mike vabrell is also somebody who deserves credit for coach of the year i know a lot of people are saying that kyle shanahan or or john harborough are like running away with it but i mean vrabel inherited marcus mariota and we know how shitty of a situation that is and that takes balls substituting Tannehill over him. Absolutely. So, you know, I think I think Vrabel, and I also have to say Mike Tomlin, losing A.B., losing uh, Lev Bell, losing Roethlisberger, you know, and then they make that trade with the Dolphins where everyone said that they were silly. I, and then I, the I think you have to talk about executive of the year for Steelers, man, to have the kahunes to pull off that trade in the position they were. My God. Well, you know what they 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 identified a player who was a big need for them, mm-hmm. and you know what the Steelers. There's a reason why they have been. I mean, everyone knows that you know the Patriots are a dynasty, and they've been you know fantastic for the 18 years that Tom Brady's been playing. But the Steelers have been consistently good for decades. We're talking about since the seven back going back to the 70s. 
because they're a consistent organization, good organizational structure, and they have an idea of how to build a, a roster, which is and, and they have a great ownership group, which is what we spoke about last week. So, you know, I'm not surprised by the move. I'm not surprised by the way that they approached it, and I'm not surprised that they're doing well. And fun fact, Kevin Gilbert, who's the GM of the Steelers, his contract runs out this year, and supposedly it's since 20th year, right? Supposedly he's retiring after the year as well. So talk about yeah. going out on Big Bang. Well, I think it's the same situation that the Ravens ended up having last year with Ozzie Newsom was retiring on his way out. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a special consultant, and then Eric DaCosta was coming in and was going to take over that mold. I think they're doing the same thing. With Gilbert in uh, in Pittsburgh, I I forget the the assistant GM that's over there that's I, being groomed for that role. Yeah, that, that's what the great teams do, man. They retain the top talent that they have. It, it's you don't well, see they, this flood, you know. The, I like think the it's juniors more, you'll see, but the, like the top guys, they take care of in a way. Right. I mean they. they I mean, they know how to build a roster. There's certain p- positions that you need to be able to be successful in. Obviously, quarterback, the Steelers always draft linebackers, consistently draft linebackers, and they address the offensive line. I mean, quarterback, mm-hmm. offensive line, and you're, and be able to rush the passer are the three keys to winning in the NFL. Shit, and they seem to dig a diamond out of the rough for receiver every year. Right. So, you know, and Juju hasn't even been able to stay on the field because he's been hurt. So you're kind of sitting there saying to yourself, okay, what? And then what you have a rookie do? like Deontay Johnson going ham, who right. people thought was a reach when they did pick him. Well, we I remember when we ended up reviewing the draft and we were like, oh, the Steelers ended up picking a wide receiver where everyone thinks he's picking early. And we're just like, yeah, okay, the kid's going to be the next eight, Antonio <laughs> Brown. <laughs> and you look at Matt Miller's comp, Antonio Brown. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah. I mean, shout out, shout out to the guys that uh, stick to football. You know, those guys are great putting uh, putting their uh, shit together. Matt Miller, we give a little shout out to NFL Draft Scott. So I mean, yeah, it, it, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a interesting game. I think that's probably gonna be my game of the week. Right. I would also I would also Chiefs, like to Chiefs see Broncos what, will be fun. That's what Broncos. I was going with. That's what I was going with. I just saw that. So you know what? It, what? Did John Elway fall into his franchise quarterback? <laughs> Let's hold up a second. The guy's played two <laughs> games. It doesn't chance. matter. It doesn't and, matter. And how about the Chiefs? Did they fall into a fucking defense somehow? Where'd this come from, man? Like, they've been a resurgent defense. They've looked good on that side. And surprisingly, it's been their offense that's been struggling. Mahomes has had to hurt hand. Uh, Broncos, their, their D has always been tough. It, it seems like... They've been a team who's been in a lot of games. They just haven't had it to go over. And maybe Drew Locke coming in is that it factor for him. We'll see. Yeah, so so it's interesting you say that about Kansas City. And, and I had always said that, that one of the reasons why I thought their defense wasn't um, as good was because their offense is too good. So they score too quickly and they yeah, don't. Yeah, pace of play. Yeah, right. I mean, that's been Reed's problem a lot. Of the years he's been, he's right. been too good on offense for right. the defense, right? Because right. your defense doesn't get the opportunity to rest and players are going all over the place on the defensive side. Right. So it's been very interesting to see them 
I don't want to say struggle, but it looks like they're trying to find a different identity, which is more built for the playoffs, especially what Baltimore is doing, um, mm-hmm. what um, uh, New Orleans is, is trying to get back to doing. San Francisco has been doing really well. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting um, kind of final like four weeks of the season, so to speak, three weeks of the season. So, um, yeah, so it's, it should be it should be an interesting one for sure. But I like the flex time. Did they flex the Buffalo Pittsburgh game? I think they did. Yeah, Sunday they they night. put it to eight o'clock. So, yeah, so, so at least week. the NFL knows what something what they're doing over there. When the hell the Bills have been the last, you know, relevant at this time of year beats me. Was, but good for that man. I think it was the last Bills year. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I think the last time that they were relevant this late was when. Uh, Sean McDermott accused uh, a couple of Patriots uh, guys for filming their sidelines in pregame. That oh, was last year. So, so kind of like the recent controversy we had when the Patriots, who were playing the Bengals this weekend, were filming the worst team in the NFL. You know like, what? See, I, this is this is my problem with people. Okay, Bill Belichick and the Patriots are so ahead of the the game that they're not filming for this season. They're filming Zach Taylor for seasons to come because they know that Zach Taylor is going to be there for the long haul because the Bengals organization doesn't like paying coaches because coaches contracts are guaranteed. So they're not going to fire him. And in four years, because he had a five year contract, they should be able to get some decent players in there to make them pretty competitive. I mean, they have a good running back. They're going to get a good quarterback. Their offensive line is going to be good next year with Jonah Williams and everyone coming back. It's just a matter of. Right. But that's not, that's not what I'm getting at though. Look, no, I you, know, you have six Super Bowls. Do you, you really want to stain your franchise even more like this? Like, come what, on. What do you mean? And stain your franchise more. They, there's hand jobs, spy gate, Deflate gate. What, 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 like, uh, yeah, and then they have six championships. So if you want to degrade their three, oh, their three issues with six championships, they're plus three. Okay. I think they have room for maybe two more scandals and they're still coming out ahead. Ah, you might be right. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe the, the, the training. I, uh, I, I just, I just think it's, at some point, you you got. I, I guess that's why it's too good because they're always looking for that edge. But at some point, man, you you got to be the classier franchise out there and not get involved with shit like this. What what's classier than strolling into a another Super Bowl trade? Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I I guess I, leaving a nice massage and happy ending afterwards. No, I mean. I, I'm, I can only imagine the uh, the amount of. Uh, I've, I've heard. Aurora spa, uh, Aurora spas that uh, Mr. <laughs> ended up walking into. Man could just buy a plethora of but, them. In see, that's case. what I don't understand, right? Like, why would you go into? Uh, I don't know. A public whatever. place like that. It's, Maybe he likes the risk. Maybe he wants to feel something. Yeah, the little edge. Yeah. He, He's like, the team's going into this game. I've been in so many of these goddamn Super Bowls. I, I don't even have that feeling anymore. Yeah, I lost Gronk. I lost I, I lost everything. I don't have that thing to make me feel special. So he needs to go tell 
doesn't have Hernandez to hang out any, with anymore. I know. Snitch. <laughs> Snitch. Uh, all right, we digress. So, baseball. One we could try and hit out of the park. What, what are your thoughts on how free agency have gone so far? So, I, I will never apologize on this show because that's not what we do. But I'm I'm pleasantly surprised at the at the pace that the that the MLB has moved free agency, and I think it has a lot more to do with analytics than anybody else can really say, because I think things have moved towards this. Even though there's more home runs and and it's been mm-hmm. it's been a lot of high scoring league, but Baseball is really controlled on the mound and the way that the pitchers end up dominating games. And I think one of the things why these, like the Nationals, I believe, ended up signing uh, Strasburg very early. They re-signed him for seven years. I think it was 245, mm-hmm. which is which is a huge deal for a guy uh-huh. who is 31 years old and has some serious injury history. Oh, and bad injury with Tommy John and all. It's not like right. it's, it's just and minor injuries here and there. They've been almost career-ending injuries where people have been wondering if he was ever going to uh, come into the player he was projected to be. Right, and he has a very, very unorthodox <laughs> and very violent delivery, which also caused a lot mm-hmm. of the injuries. Um, and, but it. And- that is a good point because your analytics aspect, I've heard a lot about that's why the Phillies went after a guy like Wheeler was because right. of potential and the spin rate that he's able to generate on the ball right. as well as the velocity. So right. I, I hope you're right at the amount of money that the Phillies tossed at him. It seems silly to me. And was it five for a hundred? Was that it? Five for hundred? Oh, it was over hundred. It was one eighteen. Oh, one eighteen. It, it was yeah. first reported at a hundred, and you asked me, and I was like, not happy then. And then you threw in the extra eighteen on me, and let's just say I needed a few drinks that day. Well, I think the other thing that teams are starting to figure out, and you know, uh, and the Yankees are, are are one of them specifically, is that when you use your bullpen more often but and obviously the Yankees have kind of focused themselves on their bullpen the analytics and 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 the and the way that they those pitchers try to get batters out when it comes playoff time you have a lot of stats and a lot of analytics to beat those pitchers that's why Adovino looked bad that's why Chapman oh, I, thought, didn't look I, like I thought you were going a different way I thought you were going to tell me load management baseball style oh no fuck that load management please <laughs> no it's no, just it's but, just but I, I don't disagree with that I, I feel as though some pitchers are work too much right when when you see guys who are heavily relied on um you right know, there's it, it's an overexposure to the game which allows them right. to you know and and, I, and you don't know if it's one thing or other right either a they're burning themselves out or b like you're saying they have so much tape on these guys because they've pitched so much and you know just about every scenario that they're going into that you can read into right. it, and, and you have the time to study. Exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, there, there's the two. So we, our top free agents, um, Strasburg was number three, um, 
Anthony Rendon was number two on on our list, and then you know obviously Garrett Cole was number one, which looks like there are four teams in in on Garrett Cole. Um, fitting that Scott Boris not only represents Strasburg, represents Cole, and represents Rendon. That guy is going to clean up. He's going to end up signing like a billion dollars worth of offseason contracts, and he grabs in like four percent of that. And Harper's deal last year, which right men's raking to the bank right i mean he does it every year but um the four teams in for cole we know that the yankees are in they made an offer that was uh that was bigger than strasburg um the Oof. both the dodgers and the how do, uh, how do you feel about that you nervous at all or no like I, well I'm, i am i'm nervous that they won't get him this is very reminiscent to what happened in 09 with cc mm-hmm. um they thought he was gonna stay on the west coast the yankees kind of said what do you want he ended up taking it uh the word on the street is is that geography isn't that big of a deal for cole he wants to be able to win and he wants to also be able to make sure that um you know he's taking he's care of in game sevens Using game sevens, but also, you know, we were we were joking around about load management, but he's a big analytical guy, and he also wants to make sure that everything that he ends up putting out there is is not only best for the team, but also best for him. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with with Cole. Uh, I, you know, you you check Twitter to see what these what these guys are doing. Everyone expected that he would sign by January. It looks like he's going to sign during the winter meetings. So it looks like it's the Yankees. The Angels, the Dodgers, and the and there were two mystery teams, and then one of them was revealed. The Astros are trying to re-sign him as well, which would obviously put them over the luxury tax. And um, then we'll get to you with the rest of the signings by March Madness. <laughs> well, no, I think I think um, Ant, I think Rendon is going to sign pretty quickly too, because if the Angels and the Dodgers end up dropping out of the uh, coal race. Then I can see both of them end up, you know, looking for Rendon. I know that your Phillies are looking at Rendon too. I know they're also investigating to see yeah, the trade value. I, 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 I'd have to say they're they're probably out of Rendon now that they signed uh, Didi, right? Because that position's a temporary one. That's why they gave Didi the one year until they bring up uh, Brown to third base and they shift yeah. that around. So so there's not really a place for Rendon. If they do believe in this guy Brum, who they drafted in the first, and they well, seem to be is, have a lot of backing behind them. There is also some rumors that w- with Philly that they were also trying to unite uh, Chris Bryant and Bryce Harper together. So the Cubs are looking mm. to kind of sell. Um, I know their asking price for Contreras is massive. I'm sure their their asking price for Chris Bryant is also massive. Um, I know the uh, there are a lot of teams kind of diving into the Chris Bryant uh, trade sweepstakes. So we could see a, you know, John Carlo type trade uh, during the winter meetings besides a couple of the signings. So it's very interesting. I, see yeah, I, w- I wonder how that'll resonate with a lot of the Philly faithful. It, it better work out because Rice has been one of the bright spots when they've been down recently. So he's been that young upcomer. He, he's done everything they asked him. They even did that bullshit where, where they moved him to right field. Guy can't play fucking outfield for the life of him. You know, big dude playing in outfield doesn't have that much mobility, but he did it. He shut the fuck up, and he did it in, until they moved him back. He's back, and, and he seems to be a big voice in the clubhouse. So it, 
to me, that's a shaky move, but I, I, I don't know. And, and you, you can't forget that they still have the real Muto signing, re-signing that they'll need to do coming up as well. Yeah, well, they got a new lot of flux of, of, of money that's going into that into that organization. So they, it, uh, remember, they're almost it's, up to the, they're about up to the cap now. Yeah, but what cap? What is cap? It's uh, just a matter of whether you want to play luxury tax or not. But speaking right. of big spenders, team that's in the same division is about to get a new ownership group. Um, the right. Will the Will Ponds, uh, who were. Uh, a lot of people's uh, worst owners in sports that were on the list that we ended up getting last week mm -hmm. um, decided that they were going to sell their 80% uh, interest, their remaining interest, to, uh, I believe, what is it, Stephen Cohen? Yeah, the... so, so you're, you're talking about the Bernie Madoff, which Will Pond was affiliated with, to, to Cohen, the, the hedge funder who killed it. So you want to talk about stealing singles. Watch out, baseball, because Cohen will push those rules, baby, and get well, away with it. Listen, uh, if any of you guys that end up watching uh, Billions on Showtime, um, right, Bobby Axelrod, Bob Axelrod is based off of Mr. Cohen. So um, if you watch that show, you could see what type of hard ass he is, and Cohen has that same reputation. But you know what? I think it's good because. We always say that the fish rots from the head down when it comes from an ownership group. And, you know, the Mets have been the little brother to the Yankees for a very long time. Who said this good? You, you don't play in the same division as these guys. No, but come on. I'm, I'm like, it's, it's, it's good for the city like to have, like, at least there's only been, there's only been one good team in, in the New York area that has been good consistently, which is the Yankees. It's no, great to I, see the Mets involved. I, I agree. I, and I do love going out to City Field. It's, right, it's a exactly. great ballpark. Um, I'll never be a fucking Mets fan, but it is a nice ballpark. And it, they've never truly had success since the cocaine 80s. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dwight Gooden, that's yeah. my boy. As soon as but... you take away that powder, you know, little excess <laughs> on the spin, he went downhill. <laughs> wonder what the <laughs> analytics are on that one. Listen, I don't know why everyone's getting all up in arms about a little blow. All right. <laughs> it's not it's not a spitball. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I think that's gonna be good. Um they they said that they're uh they're pretty big players or they're trying to be big players in free agency. I know they're looking at um Mar Marte from uh Pittsburgh. Um, they're trying to look to make a deal there. So, I mean, we were saying that free agency and, and the baseball offseason was really slow. I think it had a lot to do with the people that were on the market last year and the people that were coming up. And the same thing for this year. You don't have any pitchers that are coming up in the next couple of years. So you're going to spend a shit ton of money on a Garrett Cole or a Strasburg at 29 and 30 respective, uh, 31 respectively. That's what you got to do. Um, well, it, it is uh, basically slow because you don't have that timeline to sign players. That's true. I mean, it's not like the NBA or the NFL where they start ra racking everything off. But mm -hmm. like the winter, we, we were waiting until spring training for people to sign. And now we're talking about trades happening at the winter meetings. You have a big, you know, top three player on the free our free agency board ends up signing in the first week. Um, you know, you got talks about, you know, 
Lindor being traded, Rote being traded. You have Chris Bryant talks being traded. I mean, it's a lot of action going on, which is starting to bring a little bit more life back to MLB offseason. Yeah, I, I just think they should cap it, right? So so pick a week in December, you know, two weeks out. Say, like, arbitrary, you have the 1st of December to the 15th. I, I feel like that makes baseball relevant, right? Because you start talking about it again after the World Series. Right. Which, which for some reason, is playing in fucking October. But anyway, you're, you're talking about it again. I think it gets it juiced. And then you bring it back up again once the spring starts coming around because – Everything else is, you know, full swing. If you're baseball, hockey, football is right. just getting over and you can start getting relevant again by something you want to do there. Uh, it, it's one way or the other. You, you, you've got to be a 24-7 sport these days. And the, the way to do it is not slow play because you lose people's attention real quickly in this right. day and age. Yeah, right. No, I agree. Report just came out that just ended up uh, hitting my feed that uh, no severe penalties are going to be put on the Patriots for Spygate 2.0. Man, they sold that thing well. Yeah. You know what? Who the fuck wants to make a video involving the Cincinnati Bengals? That makes no sense. Wow. You gave it credence. It doesn't matter. Well, with Joe Burger on there. Uh, yeah, well, you know, maybe they'll end up breaking something up, but let's actually talk about something that's actually very interesting to take, take a step back a little bit and, and then we can take a jump forward. Is it a good thing that Lamar Jackson wins the MVP? No, right? I don't think it's a bad thing. Okay. I, I, so last I, time an in-season I, MVP made it to the Super yeah, Bowl in the same year. Yeah, MVP awards don't mean much to me, especially no, for I, NFL. Uh, no, I understand that, but I'm saying like if if you know Baltimore is a lot of people say the best team in football, he wins well, the MVP. He why is it bad football. for football? No, I'm not saying it's bad for football. I'm saying it's bad for the Ravens because there hasn't been a in-season regular MVP that's played in a Super Bowl that's won. Oh well, you just hope he doesn't turn into Flacco. That's all you're doing. If you're the Ravens. Well, you know. You know, I I, I think Nick Foles throwing for 500 yards in a Super Bowl. I'm just sick of the narrative like, oh, everybody doubt him. Everybody doubt him. Look, it was two douchebags on ESPN and a few scouts who doubted him playing quarterback. They made ESPN blew up this whole thing. Nobody was going out there saying he should be a receiver. Everybody's like, what are you talking about? Like, I remember me and you when we were talking, we were like, this doesn't even make sense, like, him going out trying to be a receiver. Like, you're not going to make the money. It's very hard to convert. Like, look at guys who have tried. It's been very few who have been able to make that big leap. Well, how about how about uh, Lamar Jackson's troll game this past weekend? So you saw the report that one of, one of the uh, – t- I think it was either a TV reporter or an announcer – or probably uh-huh. some some asshole on ESPN had said the reason why Lamar Jackson is doing so well in the offense is because his dark skin conceives the ball. Was that his no, no, no. That, that was the 49ers announcer. That's who it was. The 49ers announcer. Yeah. yeah. So then, then he goes. But then Sherman came out and uh, supported him a little bit, get back well, off the heat a little bit. Yeah, but no, the best part about it was then this week against the Bills, he wears white long sleeves. <laughs> <and light gloves. laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that is a good yeah, game. Okay. And then he ended up, and then he ended up fucking shaking the the videos all over the internet. And I think we posted where <laughs> where he just ends the guy's ankles on. Oh, uh, dude, on the he, back he's something else, man. Running the ball back there. Yeah. I, to to me, people like comparing him to Vic. I I hold reservation of that because Vic was such a game changer. Vic I, was I, or football I, too. Yeah. Dude, Vic's ball was unreal. That dude could zip it and throw just as good as anyone. His problem was the ina- inaccuracies, and it, and it seems like that was his um, Lamar, Lamar doesn't have as good as the arm, but he also doesn't have the turnovers, which kill your team and momentum as as much as Vic. You said you said Michael Vick's inaccuracies was his problem. That was his problem. Well, not the not the underground dog ring that he had in the back of his house. That wasn't his problem. Nah, he's like the Patriots. He outsourced. <laughs> Why did he get hit so hard? Because they didn't like him getting that Nike money. That's why. <laughs> Seriously, people are jealous. They they were like, you can't have a black quarterback. Yeah. Speaking really- of the speaking of the Nike money, your boy. Actually, not really your boy. Across the Ponds boy, Anthony Joshua. Mr. Uh-huh. Oh, no, he's Under Armour. Under Armour, excuse yeah, me. I'm Under sorry. Under Armour, man. My bad. Don't get it twisted. Regardless, money's getting thrown at that asshole. What do we... The $45 million site fee to fight in Saudi. In the sand. Yeah. Well, what happened was he... So, the terms of the contract when it happened was he got to delegate where and when the rematch would happen if he did in fact lose. So, so they write these things up. Basically it's like you get your second shot. Um, so he signed a very big deal per fight with the zone and the zone wanted the viewership. So they were really pushing for MSG part two, but, um, what happened was AJ didn't want to fight in New York City again. That was his first fight in New York, and he was looking for a place to do it. So in order to generate the revenue that he would have made for fighting in New York, they decided on going to the dunes where Saudi paid this ridiculous lump sum of money. And then you have guys like the other counterpart, Ruiz, you know, coming in 15 pounds overweight which people were trying to say was nothing which part of the game this guy's talking about he bought three other cars and we, you know what we, we were fools for not fucking calling blading bollocks from the start of it well yeah i mean we knew that and that's what happens to most you know right fighters that end up coming into that success so quickly but you know i mean First of all, my thing with Joshua is is that you know he's overweight, you know he's winded, and well, you're Joshua couldn't throw a straight jab in the first fight. He was so big and muscular, his jabs were cannon off to the side because he had so much muscle, his arm couldn't go straight, literally oh, is, from the jab. What's his name? What did he call him? Andre Ward ended up calling an Instagram boxer. After after the Andy Ruiz <laughs> fight because he just couldn't he couldn't move because he was too busy about what he looked like with his shirt no, off. No, he called him an Instagram model. Oh, there it is. Well, it's boxer. I was giving him a little more credit, I guess. But no, I I agree. I mean, he looked a lot different in this fight. He was able to throw that jab, but I mean, 
you know, and my he, thing he is, also is had that the runner's physique and yeah. executed that well. Yeah, very well. And my whole thing is, is that if you end up going to beat the heavyweight champion in the world, you have to take it from him. And I never really, I mean, granted, from a, from a boxing scorecard perspective, it was undoubtedly that Joshua ended up winning. But those are not the fights that we used to see back in the day from all of the legends of the sport. Um, yes, no. I mean, I mean, there's been strategic around it, not getting hit. It's a big thing. Well, minus, but, minus but, Floyd, but Mayweather, been, Floyd Mayweather's of the world. Yeah, I mean, Ali, like, yes and no. Like, he could take the punch and did and withstood it and would engage. Um, he was oh, like, but he did it strategically because he right. knew, and I, I assume of. you're, yeah. Well, he knew that he wasn't going to go in and fight yes. and beat George Absolutely. Foreman. Absolutely. So that's why he ran and did what he but, did. But yeah, it, and yes, I, I I agree with you a lot. So I, I was just, you know, uh, hitting on the one point, just saying it, it's not like we're we're saying that that's not the way to box. Yes, there, there's part of it that is boxing, but throwing 10 punches, 20 punches per round and landing just those and then, and then moving around and then not engaging for the final four championship rounds is, is not boxing to me. You could call no, it sweet science all. all you want and strategy, not getting hit. That's not boxing to me. That, that's you took your money, you ran with it, and, and you're saying you're this champion, you're, you're, you know, the United champion of boxing. Guess what? WBC belt's out, still out there. And there's two savages who are competing for that again. Wilder, the man can't get a fight, and he will duck no one. Foot Ortiz, a guy who had him rocked before. And people downplay that. They're like, oh, he's not that great of competition. Ortiz was winning in that fight before he knocked him out. Yes. Had him rocked. And he's a great boxer. He Yes. And this past fight, the the second one, yes, you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right. He Mm -hmm. might have been up all all the rounds. I had him up up 6-1. You know what? Five one, me? Me. Did, did you ever see fear in Wilder's eye? Not once. He ne- he never got like that desperation. He sat. He went patient, and he picked a shot, which is fucking scary. That a guy can just end the fight with one opportunity. Because we we saw it in the Fury fight too. Like it, I know, which which does it. I mean, I know since we're you know here in the states and everything like that, and we think that we should probably be rooting for the bronze bomber because he's from Tuscaloosa. But you know, there's just something about Fury, the way that he boxes and the way that his attitude is when from a heavyweight fighter to move the way that he moves. He moves similar to what how Ali used to move, and and I don't watching Ortiz be able to tactically pick apart Wilder. And Wilder ended up winning that fight with the knockout that he ended up doing is reminiscent to what happened in the first fight with Wilder and Fury, right? I mean, the only reason why probably he ended up winning that card, which nobody in the history of this planet besides the two judges or the one judge that was on that damn card thought that Wilder won that fight. Yeah, I I thought Wilder had three rounds. And to tell you, to be honest with you, I thought Fury was the better boxer, and Fury really had me sold with his whole routine. I, I love him, big character. But Wilder's demeanor, man, and how calm he is, how poised he is, and his ability to end the fight, and he's not yeah. afraid, man. He's a savage. 
He's got me all on board, dude. I'm Team Wilder now. I'll tell you that much. I know. And, I know. And you know who's shook? Everybody's saying, yeah, Fury has a number. I Not so fast, man. He ended that guy. And by the grace of God, that ref didn't give him that extra second. Because it was there if you wanted to, to end it. And he didn't. And, the, you know, we had the draw and all. But you know what's going to be in his mind? That fucking punch. And you know what? What just happened with Ortiz makes it come up again. Because he better hope he didn't watch that fight. Yeah, but there's a difference. There's a huge difference between Fury and Ortiz because Ortiz was uh, on the back yes end of his yes, career yes and, no. and much slower and doesn't move the way that Fury does. And you know what? Uh, you, you have to give a lot of. You're really I mean, I'm not, Ortiz. His only no, two I'm losses not, are two Wilder. I know, but you're talking about a guy who was in his 40s compared to a guy who was in his. You know, his early 30s. Yeah, and then who also joined Fat Camp, came back down after partying on cocaine yeah, heaven, so, and then well, found God. Listen, and, listen, everybody loves a comeback story. Come dude, on now. For, for Come gypsy, on now. For a gypsy, he's fucking in, in a retirement home right now. Come on. Don't don't knock my don't knock my comeback stories. You know me and my comeback stories. So, First I had Tiger. Now I got Fury. Now don't, all I need is Jeff Bezos to come and save my Knicks, and then the I'll be good. The only reason you don't like Wilder <laughs> is because he's a Bama guy. No, well, that has a lot to do with it. But it, no, it, it also, like, from 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 a pure boxing standpoint, I like the ability to be able to watch a guy who shouldn't be able to move the way that he does in a division that's never really been known for skill boxing oh, as opposed dude, to punching. He, he's a he's a freak. He's so jerky. Nobody moves like him. But also Ortiz, don't forget, is so skilled. Been in the Cuban team. Oh, no, I'm not trying to discredit Ortiz. I'm just saying he was at a different part of his career as opposed let, to let where Let me ask you this. Who, who would you take this past weekend? Um, Joshua Ruiz versus Ortiz. You think Ruiz or Ortiz could beat both of those if you yes. face them? Yeah, absolutely. I agree also. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, listen, if Joshua ends up having this goddamn fight between Wilder or Fury anywhere but the United States, I'm going to have a well, big problem. With, with Fury, you know it's going to be in the UK. That, that would be insane. I don't know. I don't know. With top rank, I don't know. It could be in Madison— Bob Arum could say, listen, mm, he, this, he's old is, this is where the heavyweight championship of yesteryears needs to be. But the thing you're missing is if that's in the UK, it's going to be a week of parties, if not two. Listen, I don't want to spend the money to do the flight over there. I would rather <laughs> spend the flight to go to 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 Vegas, maybe, or uh, you know what? I don't want to fly to Vegas, and I really don't want to fly to L.A. You know what? Make it in fucking London. I'll fly to London. <laughs> I'll fly to fucking London. I'll either take the train in to Manhattan, or I'm going to London. Oh, so, you just convinced me. But it's too bad it's not happening because Wilder's winning this fucking thing, That's and he's going to ha- have to come over. That's not happening. Even it, listen, at, at the end of the day, it's either. The winner of uh, Wilder Fury is going to be Joshua, and I don't even think it's going to be close. Unless Joshua ends up showing us something that we haven't seen in three years. 
Like he could be doing that same thing. He could be doing the same thing that John Jones is doing in the UFC right now. Yeah, I I don't think so. Oh, neither do I. I'm just saying if I wanted to give him some sort of credit, that's what it would be. Yes, but see, there's there's a difference there, right? John Jones was dominant, like literally dominant, obliterated opponents. Anthony Joshua doesn't have the record that he does. Joshua only has around 14 pro fights. Yeah, he won the gold. He, he's also 30 already with, with those amount of fights. Like you're talking about John John Jones, who had just about that many title defenses. It, it, it's a lot different. And I mean, he, we're talking about the goat. Yeah, and, yeah. and a lot of different personalities too. He, he's he's damn sure not up there thinking. And you know what? He's also not a loser. So that is true. That is true. You know what he reminds me of? He's got he's got the same tendencies that my boy Tyson Fury does. He loves skiing and he loves being undefeated and winning every single time a title defense comes up. That's all I have to say. That's <laughs> all I, but I, I think we could both agree, like speaking of this and the little transition, that boxing right now is as exciting as it's ever been. We we just yeah. went on a good ten minutes about the heavyweight. I and we didn't even hit Floyd. <laughs> Floyd. Like, it, I don't know what the deal with that is. He, like, he blew his money that quick? Well, and, and part of it was he was working on the Wilder fight, and he, and he came out trying to, like, upstage it and then bring out this thing with Dana White, which I thought was pretty scummy. So, so you know Floyd's just about Floyd still. Like, that was never- I don't I don't care, dude. You're you're 50 year old. You're not gonna fight anyone. You've never fought anybody in your prime. Like unless you go out and fight Earl or Crawford, I don't. Which he'll never do. Which he'll no. never do. And nor and should he, he. Nor should he. And like, I, you know what? I, even if he went, even if he ended up coming back and ended up saying, "I'll fight Pacquiao again," I, mm-hmm. I mean, I think Pacquiao would beat him. Well, and and we also don't even know how Earl's going to come back yeah. from that accident. No, that, yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. But he shouldn't get the sh- damn shame. I know, but, but he should. he's not going to get in the ring with Crawford either. No, but Crawford's problem is he... I don't know why he re-signed with top rank like that. Just because <laughs> these promotions keep everybody... Like, There's not any of those welterweights around for him, man. It's I just know. not there. And it doesn't make sense. Like, it... it it's a shame DeZone wasn't as popular then, like when he was, it wasn't around when he was re-signing with Top Rank, because I, I think that would have been a great opportunity for him and to be able to bridge that gap with PBC or per se. Yeah, I agree with you there. Else. I, so, I agree with you there. But, um, yeah, where, where do you want to go from here? Next Generation? Yeah, so I wanted to get, I mean, I know... I, I, I'm good at trying to figure out like what's going on in the lay of the land. I know you're a lot more in, into the, into the scene. So I had said, I said, you know what, let me give you, let me get your five up and coming mm-hmm. boxers, regardless of division moving right. forward. And, and, and we know you're big on Garcia, Ryan Garcia, big on Ryan Garcia, who um, and, has all the looks. 
he just reminds me. He, he just reminds me of a lot younger. You know, I look in the mirror and I see a younger self. <laughs> Strapping young gentleman. Yeah, you know, just physique. just waking up in the morning, pissing ex- excellence. That's just the way they do it. Hey, what it do, man, baby? Man, does he have the younger following? Speaking of that, like a lot of people knocked. Little tangent, but a lot of people knocked the whatever the YouTube stars were, Logan Paul and somebody else. I don't even know their names. Yeah. Like, and we're saying, oh, it's bad for boxing. It's bad for boxing. But tell you what, my boy fought on the undercard, and I think it's better for his name. He doesn't have the following that your boy Garcia does, but I think the best, youngest fighter is this kid, Devin Haney. Okay. He's only 20 years old. He and it was a shame he didn't put on the greatest show. I I think he was trying to do too much, and the opponent they gave him was not a a good matchup for him for right. for that type of fight. Given like he was um very unorthodox, long, lanky. He he couldn't uh, get his jab going. He couldn't get his power going, and, and was very unorthodox. Like, but he overcame it, and it, it was still sharp with all his hooks and everything but it was more of an educated boxer fight who who's you know a fan that's watched it for a while that would appreciate it whereas the younger generation didn't get that gratification from the uber dominance or the knockout which i thought was a shame but yeah no i i think that's i think you make a great point because of the fact that a lot of people don't have the access to end up watching the young kids come up because Mm -hmm. everybody's watching the big money fights and they're not looking at the undercards or anything like that so so the youtube fighters so to speak is something that has been able to be very important or the instagram fighters are, are something that's being able to be really important and it's not and it's not like a knock on that it, it, it's how you're able to grow your brand to be able to get the promotions that you're supposed to get i mean i we were you were talking about my boy ryan garcia but there have been rumors that you know that canelo and um uh, Oscar De La Hoya are looking to sign um, Garcia to a seven hundred million dollar lifetime oh, lifetime being like so you, fifteen. So you want to get into that real quick? Okay. So, yeah. No, I mean like that. No, no, that's, but this is that's a the shit that we're aspect. talking about, right? So, so, so that's the pro promotion coming out. That's Golden Boys. So Golden Boy has been shit, right? Um, we, oh yeah. I mean, we could get we could dive into no, that, Ray. I mean. No, 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 no. So oh, go ahead, Canelo, go ahead. Canelo and um, De La Hoya have been on the outs, but mm. one of the one of the big starters of that was your boy Garcia. So Garcia has been signed with Golden Boy, and he's been having a lot of issues with it. And you know, he he has justification, right? The guy has over three million Instagram followers or whatever it is. It's a lot of clout that he has for a twenty-one-year-old boxer. Not that many fights that a lot of people aren't bringing. Like, he, he could theoretically start his own promotion if he wanted to. Right. Um, but he's had issues, and then Canelo really developed issues with De La Hoya. Um, De La Hoya, you know, was scumbag. out not, not getting the fights. That, yeah, ter- total scumbag. <laughs> Wasn't getting the fights that Canelo wanted. Was fucking up. But the, the biggest thing was, which your boy Fury capitalized on, was he didn't fight on the traditional Mexican holiday where everybody fights. And that's been Canelo's date. He he fought Mayweather on it and that continued every year since then. And and it's really been tradition. And 
you know, he wanted that Kovalev fight there. Um, they, De La Hoya came out, low-balled Kovalev, wouldn't give him a bunch of stuff, you know, and, and just really messed things up. And, and I've heard they're not even talking terms. Like, De La Hoya wasn't even promoting it, wasn't doing his thing. And, oh, shit, really? Yeah, so, so, so Gold, and Golden Boy also doesn't have the stable of fighters that these other promotions do. So right. this, once you said the, the big Garcia thing, first thing that comes to mind is that uh, Golden Boy getting out there and saying that to, um, you know, try and get, get through public. Yes, right. exactly, and, and try and beat everybody saying, oh, yeah, this is that, Golden Boy's so good. But, well, you know, it, the, Ryan Garcia's American, isn't he? Yes. So, correct. so like, so Mexican like, I, American. yeah, but you know, he's not, he's not like Canelo or like De La Hoya. He's, I mean, I, I, he's grew up in SoCal, right? Andy Ruiz. Uh, yeah. I mean, you yeah. know what I'm saying. No, so, no, like, no, you're, you're right. But you, you still have that heritage. You, you still, right. you know, but which makes, which makes the following for him, not only from like a young um, like YouTuber or like millennial mm-hmm. type of growth, but you also get the pure like the Mexican Mexican boxing is a huge huge thing, and oh, it's a huge huge following. It's you know you some people may say that you could put Mexican boxing above Mexican soccer. That's how big they take that. Oh, I agree. They take their guys. So so to the point where you're saying like oh they're throwing it that out there. That is yeah that sounds like a very scumbag De La Hoya move. I mean. Do I want him to sign with top rank if that's the case? No. Do Would I rather him sign with, you know, come up with his own promotion? Or do I want him to sign with Mayweather? No. But it, so, it, it, it's it's better for him yeah. to be his own guy, you know? I What I'm hoping with is free dealing. And I'm hoping DAZN breaks the screws loose on a lot of this stuff. Right. I, I know... Eddie Hearn has this clause into a lot of stuff, which I'm hoping doesn't come over prevalent. Um, but you have guys like Devin Haney who are signed with the zone. So this is the 20 year old boxer I was talking about. Right. Yeah. 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 The, the reason he went pro. He, so, so his first seven fights, he went down to Mexico. It was, he was fighting in Mexico because of, um, the age limit that boxing instituted for the Olympics due to the headgear removal. So this kid turned pro at 16, 17 because of that. And, and that's what it started. And then Can we talk that, about that? Can we, we talk about have, that for a second? Started, started no, no. doing promotion. No, 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 no. I want to, I want to talk about, no, I want to talk about, so there has been a, and there's been a huge, huge uh, debate on whether, headgear is actually better or worse for you for not wearing headgear so like for the amateurs that you were just talking about for mm-hmm. for the age group you're saying oh you should be wearing headgear but some scientists have pointed to the fact that the headgear actually ends up doing worse for your for your head and your brain than not wearing headgear because of the way that your brain bounces off of the skull and the so, headgear yeah it's a whiplash and a bigger target that your head is. Yeah, so I want to kind of get, you know, f- so for guys that you, for people that listen to the show, everyone knows that Ryan's like a big follower, you know, big time Hall of Fame wrestler in the South, uh, in South New Jersey, knows his shit. So, like, this is something that would be actually great to kind of get a better sense of, like, your right. opinion on what you think with the headgear and how you see, you know, the guys that you train with or the guys that you know that are training today. Yeah, so... So there's one caveat 
Olympic boxing is a lot different than the boxing that we see. There's no 12 rounds. It's three rounds, and the scoring is a lot different. So you're not having um, your traditional 10 nines, right? So, so it's not right. uh, power or anything like that. It, it's all touch. So it's right. clean punches, a, a lot of jabs, a lot of quick punches to the head um, or body, wherever you're landing them. So, so it's different, right? So it's, it's not like the headgear would per se affect you. It would be more so in the training if you're wearing the headgear all the time and getting your head twisted. Right. Uh, that it would be effect as opposed to competition. Um, I, I think that's the thing. And also for viewership pleasure, right? Seeing a person in headgear as opposed to not headgear isn't as pleasing. True. Um, so I, I really don't think there's a difference. I, I thought it was strange with the age limit that they imposed on it. So, so if you're saying headgears aren't a safe, but then there's an age limit because boxers can't box without headgear, like... <laughs> This is like an you're, you're kind of bit. yeah, right? You're, you're being the total fucking hypocrite. Like, which, which one? Choose one. But right. it, it, it's to me, Olympic boxing is a lot different. So, I, I don't really have anything against the headgear or not headgear. It, it doesn't matter. I, I think it's probably better not having it, just because you're less of a target and you're right. going to get hit less. It, it's just uh, tougher for the way they score it. Uh, to rule the contacts and all. Right. Okay. Understood. All right. We learned something new every day, yeah. especially from Ryan. <laughs> so, so, so I guess we'll, we'll go into our other couple real quick. So big one that we talked about before in the podcast, Shakur Stevenson from Newark. Yep. Just turned 22. Huge fun. Top ranked boxer. Um, the other one, another New York guy, Tefimo Lopez. Why does the name sound familiar? Besides him being a New York guy, Top he just player, fight, fight fought on the score. So, uh, that right that's around what it there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Big hook and all. Um, young up and comer. Uh, there's a guy Virgil Ortiz. He's another one. I, I think Virgil and Heaney. I love Shakur too, but Virgil has the knockout power as well as Heaney. And I, I think those two will be more of that. Shakur's more of the slicker boxer, depending and, on what you and those two And those two in what weight class? So, so they're all over. Um, Garcia is at, Garcia's 135, right? Correct. Uh, right. Haney is... 145? 35. No, Garcia's 130. Haney's 135. Shakur's 26. 26 or 30. Uh, right. Timo Lopez is... One above, so he might be at 40. Uh, Virgil Ortiz is like 40, 45. I, I, I can't get the names down. And I've no, no, them. I know. It's just it's, it's, it's actually just like really interesting though, the fact that the weight classes are so broken out by like five pounds of weight. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, which yeah, is... yeah. And, and then you have the, the four titles, the main ones. So right. you have the WBA, IBF, WBO, and WBC. So it's a lot to follow. And then yeah. there's Pricks who gave Joshua the IBO, which I've never even fucking heard of. <laughs> and you have people oh. on Twitter saying, oh, the unified champ. Dickhead, did you even look at what that other belt was? I know. It's not, it's not fucking recognized anywhere, but whatever. I digress. Um, there's another heavyweight, Daniel Du Bois, who's 22. But 
that's going to be tough for him to get entry into what's going on right now, though. Yeah. Like these, well, you he's got, a British cat, got, so, so he, he has that falling with Hearn. Yeah, but, you know, Lennox Lewis was a British cat, too, and how that looked up for him. Well, you also don't want to rush guys. I mean, unless you're a fucking freak of nature like Tyson, nobody ever seen. By the way, like, can we talk about that for a second? A lot of people have been coming out, like, saying Tyson's not the great, wasn't this, wasn't that. The dude was 20 when he was in his prime. Could you imagine if his trainer stuck around and all that shit didn't happen? Like, you want to talk all the shit? Like, Lennox Lewis was coming out saying, like, in training, got the best of him and all this. Like, all right, that's great. And look at what happened with that guy. Like, so, so this is, it, 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 it just bothers me to no one. You know, so the funny thing about Mike Tyson is, is that one, like, there was a video that ended up servicing, I think it was about like, two or three weeks ago where he ended up um, like showing uh, shit. I forget his name. He was one of the big, uh, was it UFC? It was. Yeah. Who was the fighter? Yeah. But who was it? It doesn't matter. Yeah. So he was ended up showing because Tyson's a small stocky guy and he ended up ended up 220. Right. So he ended up, building the 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 reputation of being able to knock people out but he was also be able to from a heavyweight perspective and being so small he was able to be able to get inside the body and he was able to deliver these quick short punches that was his mo so the video ends up servicing that he comes out she's kind of showing how he ends up turning his body against taller guys whoever the ufc fighter was and he ends up like quick jab and everyone's looking at the video we're like holy shit he's like in the hangover you're like he's still fucking got it (laughs) you know like uh, but like tyson if if customato customato yeah no you're right customato right so he ended up passing away and and don king ended up getting a hold of him which ended up Mm -hmm. ruining ruining him but then the whole thing with the sexual assault ended up like, you know, we're not going to get into it. He was just taken it. advantage badly, didn't have the mentality. Yeah, I mean, well, they, well, they did, but didn't, right? So he had the mentality for boxing, and it had to be geared. He needed the motivation, really rough uh, child upbringing. So well, you know how he got it. You know how he got into boxing, right? Um, I, I don't go. So, so. And the only reason I know this is because um, my, my grandfather ended up telling me is because my grandfather races pigeons and, and he and he breeds pigeon, breeds racing pigeons. And Mike Tyson, when he was younger, ended up breeding racing pigeons. So that's why if you go to Hoboken, Hob- Hoboken, New Jersey has a uh, a pigeon racing facility, whatever that is co-sponsored by Mike Tyson. So when he was younger and he ended up getting these pigeons that he was ended up training, one of the kids ended up strangling and killing like a couple of his like prized birds that he was winning money from. And he ended up like beating the shit out of him in the alley. And Customato was walking past the alley where he was hitting the guy up against the wall, which ended up simulating how he would be able to handle somebody off of the ropes. And then in so facto, Customato ended up taking him out of the streets, putting him in the ring, and then that's how Mike Tyson became Mike Tyson. But, I mean, it's just these little small, simple things that ended up, you know, bringing – I mean, everybody has ever said that Mike Tyson is the greatest pure puncher in any division, any weight class, at any era. It's not only that. Like, when he was Tyson, he couldn't be hit with the Pinkaboo style. Right. 
And he wasn't doing this bullshit of just standing in front of you expecting a knockout that a lot of people come to recognize and watching. Because that wasn't it. Like, Well, I remember... I remember stories where people would go down to Atlantic City and he'd be fighting in Atlantic City and people ended up having to well, – people had to get there early for his fights because his fights would Jim end less. Yeah. <laughs> like, we talk about how John Jones has ended up walking around you know, the light heavyweight division and kind of but that's moving just through thing. these we, guys. We went through five up-and-coming fighters. Tyson was heavyweight of the world, younger than – and all these kids, and he was already into his going into his downfall, which is it was just, just crazy. They said people stole all of his group, Don King or whatever, stole three hundred and twenty million dollars from oh, him. Oh, it doesn't surprise me. He was very innocent in that aspect. Right. So just you know, given it's, everything, it's just a shame, but. It's, but he's doing well now, you know. He's got his shit together, which is all, which is all, which is yeah. all fun to see him. Weed so, Empire. I know. You know, he's doing everything. He's doing everything the right way, which is which is great, especially coming from a kid who never really had, never really had somebody to be able to, you know, look after him. So you know, it sucks, but he was able to do his things, which is what we ended up seeing. Ruiz ended up doing. You're buying all these cars. You're buying all this dumb shit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you end up getting like you know, a $20 million payday to go to Saudi Arabia to fight and get your ass whooped. Do you, is that what you really want to be remembered for? Yeah. Not really. Instead of, st- instead of spending it late night with your Maserati or Bugatti yeah. strolling I mean, through Burger King. Right. That's not the way that you want to do it. But anyway, I, I think we should end on this. One guy who overcame that adversity, golf clubs through the SUV, <laughs> and... In masterful form. You said you you check you checked the 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 LT Gray Frank logo. I just ended up getting this supporting LT Gray. I love it. Oh my god! For those god, of you who so can't hyped. see, John's wearing a savage hat right now with the tiger logo. With the little with a, with Frank, the head cover is is his new line that he's got rocking here. Limited release, <laughs> jumping on it. So happy about about the President's Cup, even though that doesn't mean as much as the Ryder Cup, but the President's Cup is still right. I mean, and Tiger coming off a pretty good finish at the Hero Cup. Yeah, and the first player captain since the 1960s, I believe. To actually matter. Yep, and he <laughs> and he's expected to play three times this week at Royal Melbourne, which is fantastic. But also, Tiger, historically, not played so dominant in this competition. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't really. How, how are you feeling about him this weekend? Do you think he's going to put it on? Or what, what do you oh, think? he's going to put it on. He's going to put it on. He's going to put it on. Mm. Women... I, I, I love the anticipation. I, I mean, you could have me at Tiger on anything. You tell me Tiger's going to do well, I'm all for it. He's built for Australia. He's walking. First of all, people forget that this oh. is the man so, so, who so, walked around. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but this is perfect lead up for Tiger. So basically, for those of you who don't know, Marines go on what's called a Mew, right? You go on a big ship and you go into dock, right? So – this big story is when you go in Australia, Australian women love Americans. They'll write their phone number on tennis balls and they'll toss them up to ship 
So you'll grab the tennis balls and you'll call up these girls later on. So if they do that for Marines, you imagine the amount of girls who are going to be tossing tail at Tiger. He's going to be in his glory this weekend. Literally down on deck. There are so many comments that just came to mind right now that I, <laughs> not, I can on this. But, yeah, I mean, uh, it's great that he's he, that he's playing well. His knee's right. You know, and everybody ended up seeing all, all the wives and girlfriends ended up coming in, just, you know, taking in the Australian Melbourne country air. It's fantastic. But you know what? Somebody needs to do some explaining. Patrick Reed needs to explain to me what the fuck he was doing <laughs> in the uh, can, it wasn't can you, a sand trap. Can you explain to us what happened? Yeah, it wasn't a sand trap. But listen, like like we all say, always say, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> so what ended up happening is, is the ball has ended up sitting up in front of like a little bit of a mound of sand, but it's not. You can drown your club because it's, you know, on the outskirts of the fairways or what have you. So he didn't like the way that his ball was positioned. So he ends up scraping the club backwards to even up the sand and then taking a practice swing to the left of the ball, which is fucking fantastic because it's Patrick Reed and he does his shit like all the time when it means nothing. And then he takes a two-stroke penalty. He ends up losing the tournament by two strokes, coincidentally. And then this week... (laughs) Uh, yesterday, or I think it was this morning because of the time difference in Australia, Justin Thomas is fucking around in the bunker and is imitating what Ju- what Patrick <laughs> is doing in the bunker. <laughs> like, like, you know, I mean, I think I think the U.S. team is going to end up mollywhopping the international team, especially the fact that Jason Day isn't playing, and I think he's the best team, best player besides Hideki Matsuyama right now on, on the international team. But, yeah, and the Australians now have no reason to cheer for the international team. Well, so Adam Scott's talking a lot of shit, which is great. I, I love the bravado, but everybody knows that, you know, Tiger is king no matter at what part of the uh, world you are in. Um, but that's, that's just the way it is. And, you know, if you're going to talk shit about Tigre, then you better be able to back it up. So he better go undefeated this week if he wants any chance of uh, beating the, the, the U.S. team at the President's Cup. Right. You have Tigre, and then you have Adam Scott who's Tigger, who rides that long putter where, you know, where hopping around Australia, like he's a kangaroo. Yeah. I mean, like if, if he ends up, if he ends up putting well, then it could, it could end up, you know, get out of here. I'm I'm tired of Adam Scott. I I do like the, (laughs) the villain vibe, but that's all I get from him. Like he's a joker. I, I just don't like him one bit. Okay. Like, there's no reason to cheer for him. Like, he's not, like, the good villain. He's just a douche villain. Like, <laughs> don't don't be mad at me, villain. Oh, speaking of villains, have you seen videos of John Daly's son swinging the big stick? 16 years old, John Daly comes out and says he'll be winning major championships before the age of 23. And then by the 24 with the uh, 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 PBR in Marlboro. Listen, listen, we don't need to get into all the mistakes that Mr. Daly had made in his career. His son will be able to right those mistakes. I love John Daly for who he is, my friend. All 
I know is I need to see those crazy pants on the tour more often. <laughs> he is sorely missed. And if his son at 16 is putting out drives the way that his father used to. Watch out, world. Well, fun years of golf. Yeah. And hopefully he parties as fun as him because God damn is that fun watching him at the Masters. In his party trailer. Listen, there's nothing, there's nothing better. Oh, speaking of the Masters, I still haven't gotten my email about not being invited in my Masters lottery ticket, so I better check <laughs> that shit out when I get off this podcast. All right. Well, is that is that all we got today? That's all we got. All right, a bottle of vino down. Yeah, my mine's pretty much gone. Lutamagucha, <laughs> Lutamagucha means you take a wish. And all you single guys out there, good luck swinging like your tiger. I hope girls are throwing golf balls at you. For your ladies out there, I hope you find an elegant gent, one who's not like Adam Scott, total prick. Well, that's Ryan, all I got. Ryan's very sensitive today. <laughs> very sensitive today. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about February with Wilder Fury, so it's got my emotions in a bunch Valentine's all Day. Right. All right, so, well, just so everybody knows, we have the President's Cup. If anybody on the East Coast starts at 5 p.m. Eastern time is the first tee time, given if they tee off early in the morning on Aussie time since they're ahead of us. We have the Jets and Ravens for Thursday night football. We have the Eagles and the Redskins going at it, so the Eagles hopefully can take the NFC East with the Cowboys lost to the Rams. A lot of shit going on. Hopefully, Garrett Cole signs with the Yankees in the interim when we are not recording. Is there anything else that we want for Christmas, Ryan? Oh, there's a whole lot that we want for Christmas. There's just little that we're going to get. Uh, I'd <laughs> like for the Eagles to have a receiver and not play Josh Perkins, who's a tight end, or the Wooder Boy <laughs> at receiver, but we'll see. Yeah, um, and I would like and I would like the New York just to fire Adam Gase, but we all can't have what we want yeah. now. We have and to then, be able to and then give us to fans. fire their owner. We we get it, but th- we, we have to be it. realistic. I mean, simplistically, I just want a, a fun duel in Australia. I want these fun boxing fights to come to fruition, and I want all of you out there to have start getting ready in the Christmas spirit, giving and just have fun. You know, fuck it. Bonus season's up. Party. (laughs) As always, this is No Holding Back. Thank you for listening to another episode.